Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herich here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great week and a great Friday to end the week this week. The market had a pretty good day today and certainly put up a big fight. After the jobs report, this number, uh, markets were higher, fell into midday, and really put up a valiant effort to get back to positive territory on the day. We did finish off the highs from the morning, but after the sell-off we saw midday, uh, to get back to positive territory was certainly a win. But as I mentioned, we did get the March jobs report numbers back today, coming in at 431,000 jobs created for the month of March. That was below consensus estimates of 525,000. But we've got we've gotten this pattern for the last, I don't know, four or five, six months now. Seems to have happened a lot more under Biden uh, than under Trump, where they continuously revise higher previous month's numbers. And February was no different. February was revised higher to now 750,000 jobs created for the month of February. And <laughs> I mean, when you see how off these estimates are and the amount of revisions that they have to do to these numbers, uh, I mean, it's really tough to take it very seriously at all. And more so the revisions even so than the estimates, uh, but just stunning how off these so-called economists can be and still be able to keep their jobs. I mean, where do they find some of these people? I mean, I understand that predicting economic data is not an easy thing to do, but counting it should not be quite as difficult. Now, I'm sure that some reports come in late depending on the industry and th some things like that, but to be off by hundreds of thousands, I mean, and it's not just this either. You know, you really have to wonder. We know the, the inflation data has, has been so manipulated and they change the numbers up so regularly you know you can't think that this is just a mistake it's really quite a racket they have going on with the way that the federal reserve hires outside economists gives them their grants uh, from all across the board it's not just the federal reserve it's other areas of the government as well and they're really paying these people to pair their talking points, just take the data that they're given and relay it as a source of credibility. And what really happens is it serves the government's best interest with all of that. And inflation data is the most obvious example of that. No one that I know and respect believes that inflation is really only at 7.5%. The fact they're even telling us it's at 7.5% tells us exactly how much higher it really is. Uh, it's it's laughable. It absolutely is laughable. Uh, and not in the funny kind of laughable way. Um, but at the end of the day, that's exactly why we find it so important here to follow price action as our primary decision maker. You can't trust the data coming out can't trust the news that's coming out. So at the end of the day, remember, it's not the news that matters. It's the market's reaction to the news. We're firm believers in that here. But the plus side, at least for the Federal Reserve, to the strong employment reading, 
does give them some cover to continue raising interest rates, possibly uh, by a half a basis point like they had talked about. Um, certainly a possibility in the next meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks. We also saw the unemployment rate decline in March as well now at a 3.6%. You know, certainly better numbers. We love seeing as many Americans being employed as possible. Wages and salaries were up 11% year over year. Of course, like I said, with inflation at 7.5%, 8%, that's only a 3% raise year over year after expenses and everything that we're going to be paying so much more for. So if you didn't get at least an 8% increase in your salary from the previous year, you really lost money. Uh, you know, not to get not to discourage anybody about it, but hey, if you have the ability, uh, time to probably time to ask for a raise if possible. But back to the the rate story here, because this does give the Fed cover to continue raising rates, and so many people, it's such a, a common thing to believe that rising rates are bearish for stocks. But you have to differentiate here because early on in the rate hike cycle. It's actually very bullish for stocks. And even when you get an inverted yield curve, like we've seen and seen more of now overnight, bond yields soared ahead of the jobs number. And now we have the twos and tens firmly inverted, the twos and thirties and number of others all inverted now um, and really pretty firmly. So it's not, it doesn't look like a bounce like we saw earlier in the week where they uninverted very quickly. But that's also bullish for stocks. And I have a few numbers on this one as well. Because you've probably heard it a lot this week that before every or every time that a rate inversion has occurred, or it has occurred before every recession. But the, the distinction there is that it doesn't always call for a recession. There's been plenty of inversions that did not have recessions after them. And Kip and I have covered it, this a lot this week, but now that we've had them invert again and a, a number of other ones invert that some of these haven't inverted in decades. So I wanted to repeat it today uh, just to drill the point home. And when you start hearing people talk about how bearish it is and how we're going to have a recession, well, one, remember that it doesn't always predict a recession, but also remember this, the twos and tens yield curve has inverted seven times since 1977. A year later, for the S&P 500, the average gain is nearly 12%, falling on just one occasion in 2000. But the last four times the twos and tens have inverted, the S&P jumped an average of 28% before the ultimate peak, and that peak was 17 months later. Even if we don't get a move like that, recessions typically don't start until 21 months later. And so we have a number of reasons to be bullish here. Again, early on rate, rate, rising rate cycles are bullish for stocks and even inversions take some time if we do see a recession again, you know, six to 21 months before we start to see signs of a recession. And when we do start to see signs of a recession, we'll surely, surely pick them up in the VRA investing system. We'll be talking about them here. So be sure to tune in and come and join us for two free weeks at VRAinsider.com to get our daily updates uh, on exactly how we're positioning ourselves to protect ourselves, not only from the risk of recession, but from inflation and 
a number of other issues uh, that we're seeing out there right now. But on that note, let's take a look at our market action on the day today. We just wrapped up a rough first quarter for the markets, uh, but luckily March was a much better month for U.S. major indexes. Uh, if you're looking at the charts on a day-to-day -day basis, you may not see it as much, but if you zoom out, and now that we have a new month here, you can zoom out, take a look at some of these monthly charts, especially going back a few years. You know, we're pretty clearly still in an uptrend for our major indexes, which is exactly why we remain so bullish over the medium to long term. Of course, in the short term, we've talked about this a lot, we are at overbought conditions on our short-term VRE momentum oscillators. We did get some of that pressure alleviated this week. Let me uh, get a refresh here. Um, you know, not a lot of it. We're still at overbought conditions on our short-term VRE momentum oscillators. But again, zooming out, looking at this long-term massive uptrend is exactly why we stay so bullish. But on a day-to-day -day basis, today, again, a valiant effort from our markets to get back to positive territory. It really could have gone the other way quickly, uh, but we were able to get back to finish higher across the board. And of course, today being the start of not only a new month, but a new quarter certainly had to have helped. We get those new month and new quarter inflows from hedge funds, pension plans, all, all types of different area of fresh money coming into the market. So perhaps not too surprising to see the rally into the close, but what will be important to watch is next week's action. Remember, we're also still in a share buyback blackout period until we start getting earnings. That'll happen here in a couple of weeks. We'll be reporting on all of that here as well, but good to see today finish higher. And again, we want to see that follow through into next week. We were led today by the Russell 2000 small caps leading the way up over 1% to 2,091. Next up was the Dow Jones, up four-tenths of 1% to 34,818. Next up, the S&P 500, up 0.34% to 4,545. And finally, the NASDAQ, up about three-tenths of 1% to 14,261. Looking at our internals on the day today, we got some good readings here. You know, actually, especially for a day where we spent a lot of the day in the red, really pretty good readings, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, not huge numbers for the NASDAQ, but nearly just under two to one for the NYSE. New 52-week highs and lows also continue to come in positive for the NYSE, although slightly negative for the NASDAQ, but with how bad tech names have been beat up, these numbers could be a whole lot worse. A ton of tech names near their 52-week lows still. And so it could take a little time for this reading to get going again for the NASDAQ. Lastly, volume coming in roughly two and a half to one positive for the NYSE. But we did get negative volume today, not by a lot, but we did get negative volume today for the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day today, we finished with eight out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors Higher on the day, real estate has been one of our best performing sectors over the last few, few sessions, up over 2% on the day, followed there by utilities, which hit another all-time high today and is one of our two sectors that has gained so far on the year. Believe it or not, 
<laughs> Only two sectors have gains on the year. Utilities up 4.7% on the year so far. The leader blows everyone away and it's not even close. Energy up 39% year to date so far. Uh, really impressive performance from energy. About what you expect with oil at $100 a barrel. And then our laggards on the day to day were industrials, financials, and technology. And despite the NASDAQ finishing higher, we did get tech lower, which is not what you want to see. You also don't want to see the semis. Semis were down 1.6% on the day. Would have preferred to see those rally, uh, especially going into next week. But the, uh, the semis were able to rally well off of their lows of the day today, still finishing down 1.6%. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch Gold. Now down on the day, 1.38% to 1,922 an ounce. But what is impressive today, what really got our attention today was GDX rallying big, up nearly 3% on the day today. GDX is the gold mining ETF. And that's exactly what you want to see from a group that you're bullish on. You want to see when the underlying commodity is struggling and the producers doing well. That is a major sign of strength. We saw it a lot last year in oil and gas stocks ahead of the massive move that we've seen higher in oil. So we think that the, the action in the miners is an example of what's to come for gold. Uh, just we're, we're looking at this as from that we're in a similar scenario as 2004. Again, another rising rate environment the Fed was raising rates, I think, 16 times, 16, 18 times. I have to double check my numbers on that. Ahead of the housing crisis uh, and and the uh, financial crisis of 2008-2009. And at that time, in that rising rate environment, gold and the miners were one of the best performing groups to be in. We're I think we're looking at a similar scenario again here. Silver down on the day as well by 1.5% to $24.74 an ounce. Copper now down about 1% to $4.70 a pound. And oil down on the day as well. Now down, let me get a final reading here. Yeah, back below 100, now down 9 tenths of 1% to $99.36 a barrel. As the Biden administration announced today, they will again be tapping the strategic oil reserves. This is the third time in just the last six months that they've done this. This is the biggest release so far though, releasing 180 million barrels of oil this time. And looking at this, being completely honest, this goes along really well with our theme of intentional destruction here. Just, I mean, remember, just over a year ago, a year and three months ago, the US was still energy independent. Now we're already tapping our strategic reserves of oil. And if I remember correctly, when oil was down big during coronavirus insanity, Trump wanted to use that as an opportunity to buy cheap oil to fill our strategic reserves and the left just laughed him away from that. They didn't allow it despite all of the money that was given away in the spending, the outrageous spending packages they could not buy oil to fill our, our strategic reserves. And the purpose behind these strategic reserves is in case 
of a major emergency. We go to war, you know, environmental disasters like a hurricane. Folks, we're not in a war right now. A proxy war, maybe you could say, between Russia and Ukraine, but we are not at war. There is no emergency that calls for this. This is just bad policy now. Remember, they can't even blame the Russia-Ukraine conflict on this. They tapped the oil reserves twice before that even started. So now should be the time to be filling these reserves. We should have done it months ago, if not year, uh, two years ago, when oil prices were much cheaper. Now, if we were to have an emergency, that would be awful because we don't have the reserves for it. Or we'll be refilling them at much, much, much higher oil prices because as we see it, energy prices are on the rise, going to continue to stay on the rise, and which is why we remain so bullish on energy stocks at this time. Uh, next up here, finally for today, Bitcoin. Having uh, Crypto is really having a good day today. Bitcoin up about nine-tenths of 1% to 46,171. But we also have Ethereum up over 4% on the day today. It's, it's highest level, I believe, since November of last year, maybe further back. Let's get a final reading on that. I would like to see myself. That is its highest reading. I take that back since January of this year. So not quite as far back as I thought, but breaking the recent downtrend that we've seen since its peak in November of last year. Break, a clear breakout, almost back to its 200-day moving average now. Uh, that's one that I like a lot here, uh, but we do remain bullish on Bitcoin as a whole as well. Folks, that's all we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for the close.